welcome to the Cary Church Podcast. For more information regarding Cary Church, visit www.cary.asn.au. This morning's reading comes from Ephesians chapter 4, verses 17 to verse five, uh, chapter 5, verse 20. So, I tell you this, and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do, in the futility of their thinking. They're darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity and they're full of greed. That, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught, with regard to your former way of life, to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbour, for we're all members of one body, In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who's been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful with their own hands, that they may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But among you there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality, or of any kind of impurity or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be any obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure, No immoral, impure or greedy person, such a person as an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of God, of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore do not be partners with them. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. For the fruit of light consists in all goodness, righteousness and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. This is why it is said, Wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, Christ will shine on you. 
Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's great. Thank you very much for that reading, Peter. My name's Mark Lilly, and uh, I have the privilege of serving as the pastor at our Forestdale campus and um, get to come across here and uh, speak with you uh, a number of times through the year and it's great to be with you this morning. I loved arriving this morning and uh, being greeted by some really enthusiastic year sixes and then over in the prayer team that gathers at the back of the auditorium, if you, if you don't get along to that prayer team, get along to that. We had some year sixes joining us in the prayer team this morning and it was fantastic to see those guys getting involved in the life of the church. It's also good to see so many faces that I don't recognise. Um, God's growing the church, he's growing his church and it's awesome to be with you. I loved hearing these stories of transformation. Um, I was listening to that song about God's faithfulness. I was just thinking about Rachel, this, the Rachel that sat here story, about how God has journeyed with her through her life and um, how he's continually been faithful to her and now she's back in a place where she's a part of God's family. So, um, yeah, it's, it's a great morning to be with you. So, uh, greetings from Forestdale also. Hey, uh, last week Brian um, spoke about living a life that's worthy of our calling and this morning we're continuing with this series on Ephesians and today's passage, um, in Paul, it, Paul gives some really practical advice. He gives some really practical advice on how we actually go about living lives that are worthy of our calling. And Paul's advice doesn't consist of telling the Ephesians, you've got to work harder, you've got to do more stuff. That's, that's not the advice that he gives because Paul recognises that we're actually saved solely because of God's grace, solely because he showers his favour and his kindness upon us and we just accept that by faith. So, so that is not what Paul's on about here. He's not, not talking about working harder at all. But one of the things that Brian did highlight last week is that the call for us to come into relationship with God is actually a really big call. It's a significant call that each of us receive. And because of the significance of that call, there needs to be some sort of an alignment between living in relationship with God and our character or the way that we live and the way we do life. So the Gentiles that Paul's writing to here, they've only recently become Christians and and, and they lived in a society that's filled with all sorts of moral and spiritual challenges. And they got lots of questions. They got lots of questions. They're now part of this thing called the kingdom of God. What's all that about, Paul? We're part of this thing called the kingdom of God. And their big question was, how do we live as members of this kingdom of God in a world which is thoroughly um, pagan? And how do we live in that space as Christians? in this Gentile context that we currently find ourselves in at Ephesus. And Paul starts off his response in verse 17. He urges them, you must no longer live. You must no longer live, as the Gentiles do, in the futility of their thinking. Now, it might seem a bit strange that Paul writes to Gentiles and he tells them, 
don't live like Gentiles. I mean, how else can the Gentile live, right? Imagine writing to Aussies and saying, Aussies no longer live as Aussies. You can no longer go to Bunnings and have a sausage chisel or drink 4X beer or whatever it is that makes us Australians. Paul isn't talking about people's ethnic backgrounds here. He's talking about the moral and the spiritual worldview that they hold to. So what Paul's doing, he's rejecting aspects of this Gentile worldview. He's not rejecting Gentile people. In fact, Paul was the apostle to the Gentiles. So he's not rejecting the Gentile people, but just the worldview and the way they were living at the time in Ephesus. He's saying, hey guys, don't get sucked in. Don't get sucked into living in accordance with this dominant Gentile worldview and this culture. Don't get sucked into the way they think about things, about morality and about spirituality. I've got some stuff to say that's really important about that that might help you to live as those who are a part of the kingdom of God within that context that you now find yourselves in. So Paul encourages them to abandon this way of life and to adopt a different way of thinking and a different way of living. So the Ephesians are faced with this daily choice. Today, today, how will I choose to live as a citizen of God's kingdom within this Gentile context? Paul goes on in verses 18 19, and 19 and, and he warns them that if they actually continue to live as Gentiles, they'll eventually develop hard hearts. They'll develop hard hearts and they'll become insensitive towards God. And when Paul talks about this concept of having a hard heart, he means that you get to a point where your conscience stops being a good moral compass. You lose the sensitivity and you kind of lose your way and you're unable to live a life that's worthy of the calling because you're not sure which way you should actually be heading when you develop a hard heart. And he uses this language about a loss of sensitivity. And the idea here, this word that he uses here, it's actually, it's actually conveys a sense of callousness, callousness, developing calloused hands. And, and when you develop calloused hands, you don't feel pain. You don't have the same sensitivity in your hands that you might otherwise have if you had softer hands. When I left school, I did an apprenticeship and that was before law and before pastoring and before a bunch of other stuff. But my first thing out of school, I was a tradesman and I had really, really soft hands and I used to get lots and lots and lots of splinters because my hands were so incredibly soft. Over time, handling power tools and rough sawn timber and building materials, my hands gradually became increasingly calloused and hardened and I got fewer and fewer and fewer splinters as time went on. And what Paul's saying here is that if you persist if you persist living as Gentile, if you, if you continue thinking and you continue walking and living as the Gentiles do, you'll become callous, you'll become harder. And it gets really difficult to discern God's voice when we get hard, when we get callous. It becomes harder for him to penetrate our hearts. But the good news is that a, that a hard and calloused heart can become soft again. When I went back to full-time study, I developed soft pen pusher hands just to continue with that analogy. And when I do some stuff around home now, I'm getting... I was using a drill. I've got this new workshop at home and I was doing some stuff and I noticed all this skin had rubbed off my hand. And I thought, man, I'm getting soft. 
I'm getting soft. But a calloused hand can become soft again. A, a callous and hard heart, a heart that's lost some sensitivity towards God, can over time become soft again. So Paul's encouraging them, keep a soft heart so that, you, so that your moral compass can point in the right direction, so that you can discern how it is that I should live in the context that I find myself. Because the questions that the Gentiles were asking 2,000 years ago are the kind of questions that we still ask ourselves today. God, how do I live in this context that I find myself in today? Keep soft hearts that you, so that you can hear and discern from God how it is that he wants you to live. Paul goes on and he says, actually, guys, there's a much, much better way to live. And he gives three really practical pieces of advice to the Ephesians. These three steps are, are practical things which every one of us here today can do. We can all learn something from what Paul has to say about how we should live. And he uses an analogy that all of us can identify with. All of us can identify with this. He, he says to us, basically, if you want to live as somebody, as a member of the kingdom of God in, in this world, it's all about how you get dressed. And just looking around, I don't see any naked bodies out there. So I'm assuming that all of you know how to get dressed, okay? Thank goodness for that, let me just say. So he talks about putting off the old. He talks about having a renewed mind and he talks about putting on the new self. Putting on the new self. So the first thing that Paul talks about is putting off the old. In verse 24, he says, You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. This phrase, old self, it basically describes that part of us which is ruled and dominated by sin. Dominated by sin. And we all carry an old self. Even those of us that have been regenerate and said yes to Jesus, we all carry an old self. When we say yes to Jesus, we become a new creation. We're spiritually born anew. But we're not the finished article. We're not yet the finished article. So we continue to struggle with sin. We continue to struggle with the effects of sin. We, we continue to struggle with things like sickness and brokenness and hurt and pain and suffering, all the effects of sin. We all struggle with that stuff daily. I love the New Living Translation version of this. It says, throw off, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life. We don't sort of just take off our sinful self and fold it up neatly and pop it in our closet for a rainy day or, or pop it into our, our um, chest of drawers. Paul says, no, you've got to throw this thing off. You've got to get rid of this thing. Don't allow this thing to dominate you and to control you. You've got to get rid of it. Now, the old self, it's a little bit like, it's a little bit like clothes that don't fit very well. It's a little bit like, as I was thinking about this, it's a little bit like a cheap suit. Has anybody ever had a cheap suit? Nobody else has ever had a cheap suit. I've had a cheap suit. And a cheap suit, it just fits bad. It's either too tight so you can't kind of move, or it's too loose and too baggy. And it's just uncomfortable. It's made of cheap fabric, so in summer you're kind of feeling really hot, and in winter it's freezing cold. It's uncomfortable, this old self, because it's not what we were created for. You see, God, when he created us, didn't create us 
to carry the weight and the burden of sin. That was never God's intention. His intention that we would be people who were sin-free. But we all know what happened in the Garden of Eden and we've been carrying the consequences of sin ever since the fall. But the really funny thing is, even though our old self is actually incredibly uncomfortable, it feels a bit tight, it's a bit loose, it makes us hot and sweaty and cold, even though it's a really unpleasant thing for most of us to wear, we sometimes find ourselves hanging on to it. Find ourselves hanging on to it because, let's face it, we're actually pretty familiar with this, with this cheap suit. We're familiar with it. So there are moments when perhaps God's calling us to put that off, but, but we hang on to aspects of it because it's, it's to some extent familiar for us. In verses 25 to 31, Paul, t- Paul touches on a few of the things that we should put off. And this is not a, a complete list. Paul does this throughout a, a lot of his books. He just gives an incomplete list. He's just trying to make a point. These are the types of things that you need to put off. So in verse 25, therefore, each of you must put off falsehood. In other words, stop, stop telling lies. Then in verse 31, the language intensifies a little bit and he, 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 gets, he really starts leaning into his point. And he says, get rid of, get rid of bitterness, rage and anger. In Galatians um, chapter 5, I think it is, Paul talks about the works of the flesh and there he lists a bunch of other stuff. He lists sexual immorality, impurity, idolatry, jealousy, selfish ambition and a bunch of other stuff. So Paul, in the book of Galatians and, and here in the book of Ephesians, he says this, is, this stuff is the stuff that you need to jettison from your life. This is the stuff that you need to get rid of in your life. Discard it. It's not good for you. Paul talks here to the Ephesians about the fact that it leads to a life of futility, a life of futility, a life that's somewhat empty and meaningless. Now, it's really critical that we put off, Paul gives us these instructions about getting dressed in a certain order. And it just makes really good practical sense, right? You don't put your new clothes on top of your old clothes. So if I was going to Mire in my cheap suit, I'm looking through the sales rack because I always go straight to the sale rack and I find a suit that's maybe 400 bucks and uh, it's half price and, and I grab the suit off the hanger and I wander into the change room. I kind of try and hide myself behind the curtain. What do I do? I don't start to put the new suit on over the old suit. It's not going to fit properly. It's, it's not how clothes work. We need to take off the old suit before putting the new suit on. So this, this advice from Paul, it, it's really practical advice about how how this process of spiritual transformation, how this process of spiritual growth actually works. He says, hey guys, take, take the old stuff off. Put this stuff aside. Get rid of it out of your life and put this new suit on. Put this better self on. We'll come to that in a few moments. But before we get to that, step two is to be renewed in your mind. Be renewed in your mind. Again, I love the, the New Living Translation version of this. Paul says, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. There's just a couple of things I want to note here. The first thing is how we live actually starts with how we think. Because how we think is usually translated into, way that, into the ways that we actually live life. 
So if our way of thinking is a bit skewed, if, if we've become a bit insensitive and our moral compass is a little bit off, then in all likelihood our living, the way we do life, will also be a little bit off. But Paul says, hey guys, there's an alternative way. And it's about a renewed mind. And a renewed mind leads to renewed practices, to renewed ways of living. Second thing to note is that to some extent, this process of renewal is a passive process. To some extent, the process of renewal is a passive process. Paul uses this language, be made new, be made new. Or the NLT says, let the Spirit renew your minds. Because this process of renewal, it's not something that we can do. We can't spiritually change ourselves. The Holy Spirit, he is the agent of change. He's the one that causes the process of spiritual renewal. He's the one who transforms us spiritually. Now, having said it's to some extent a passive process, there is, there is a, a sense in which we need to allow the Spirit to be at work in us. So we do have a part to play in the process. Because the Spirit doesn't force himself on us. He doesn't force himself on us. He doesn't force his way into our lives. He doesn't force the process of renewing our mind. The thing that we need to do is to surrender to the work that he's wanting to do in our minds, in our hearts. On our recent um, family camp that we, we went on a few weeks ago, we had a service outside um, up on a hill and the wind was blowing and, and it was blowing reasonably hard and um, somebody um, led us in prayer and as this person led us in prayer, they were praying, God, as the wind is blowing through these trees, may your spirit now blow upon us. May your spirit now move upon us. And it was a beautiful time. And as this person was praying this prayer, I just had this, this picture or vision or whatever you want to call it of a whole bunch of houses, a whole bunch of houses. And some of those, some of those houses, the wind was blowing through the front door blowing through the front door and down the hallway. And part of this picture I had was that some of the doors just started to close. I didn't see people closing the doors, that the doors just started to close. And as I had that picture I just shared with people, I said, hey, I, I just have a sense that there's maybe some of us here who the Spirit blows when He wants. The Spirit blows where He wants. He's sovereign and He moves but I just had a sense that some of us were, were closing the door and not embracing the work that he had for us, the stuff that he wanted to do. And when it comes to the renewal of our minds, I think this picture helps to highlight something of how this renewal process might work. I think the Spirit comes and he blows. He comes and he blows. He might be blowing on some of you now. And he moves He's sovereign. And, and perhaps as he blows, there's, there's that renewal process going on in our heads and he's calling us, hey, hey Mark, I'm, I, I really want you to try and think a little bit differently about that. I want you to think a little bit differently about how you responded or how you spoke to that person. I want you to think about walking with Jesus a little bit more closely. Whatever it is, the Spirit can just come and he can start to do things in, in, in our minds. And at that point, at that point, we have a choice. We have a choice. This is the part that we play 
in this process of renewal. As the Spirit blows through your front door, you can either close the door or you can open the door. Now we close the door for different reasons. Some of us are just scared of that encounter with God. Some of us are just unfamiliar and we're not sure what to do with it, how to process this whole thing of what do I do when God actually speaks to me like this? And it can be a bit scary. If that's you, maybe just consider leaving the door ajar just a little bit just to see what it's like and try and engage with the Spirit and what He's trying to do in your, in your mind, in your heart. As you get more comfortable with that, can I, can I encourage you to throw the front door completely open and to allow Him to blow down the hallway of your life, to blow through the bedroom, to enter the family room and to start opening those closets and those cupboard doors that we keep closed, those deepest parts of our minds and our hearts that we we keep locked away. Allow him to move into those places and embrace his work and then you'll have a really deep encounter of God where real renewal can take place. Then our minds and our hearts and our lives can be deeply renewed. This is a process that the Spirit initiates He does the work, but we just need to surrender and and open the door, allow him to blow through our lives. The third step, the third step is to put on the new self, put on the new self. In verse 24, Paul, Paul talks about putting on this new self. And essentially, this is a call for us to clothe ourselves with Christ, to clothe ourselves with Christ. In verse 32, Paul calls... Paul calls the Ephesians to forgive, just as in Christ, God forgave you. In chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, he talks about following God's example. Walk the way of love as Christ did. So there's an invitation here. There's an invitation to be like Jesus. That's essentially what Paul's saying. I want you to be like Jesus. I want you to clothe yourself with Christ. That's what it means to put on the new self. And Paul picks up on this idea of clothing ourselves with Jesus, becoming Christ-like in a couple of his other letters. In Romans 8.29, he talks about, For God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to become like his Son. In 2 Corinthians 3.18, Paul talks about, And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like him, as we are changed, as we are changed into his glorious image it's a beautiful thing for us to be transformed into the likeness of Christ it's a beautiful thing for us to embrace and to clothe ourselves with Christ because as we do we become more and more and more like the one that we follow Jesus and this new self this new self fits perfectly the new self fits perfectly Because that's what we were actually created for. That's what we were created for. Paul tells the Ephesians in, again, in verse 24, put on the new self, created to be like God. Created to be like God. This is Genesis language. This is creation language. Created to be like God. It it, it brings to mind the the whole idea around us being image bearers, of God himself. So how can we possibly follow the example of God as Paul calls us to in this passage? How on earth can we follow the example of God? Because Paul says, 
That's what you were created for. That's what we were created for. Each one of us were created in the image of God. So following his example simply means for us to reflect the image of God as we live out, as we live out our lives in this context. So Paul's inviting us to live the kind of lives we're always intended to live. This was always God's original intention for you. So put on Christ and follow God's example. And these clothes that Jesus offers, these clothes that Jesus offers, they fit us absolutely perfectly. They're not like the cheap, bad-fitting suit that's made out of poor-quality fabric. This suit was tailor-made just for you. It was made just for you. I used to work with a guy who every, every time he went overseas, he had a tailor that he would visit and he would get suits tailor-made. The suits that he purchased, would he, he paid about the same price as he would in Perth. So they weren't cheap overseas suits, they were still re- relatively expensive. But this guy would come back from his trip and he would rave about these suits. I got Every time he went on holiday, I thought, oh no, he's going to come back and tell me how good his new suit is. He just raved about these suits because they fitted, fitted so perfectly. And he was so impressed with the value that he got. But they were comfortable because they were made uniquely for him. They were made, tailor-made, just for him. They were made for his height. They were made for his body shape. If he had one leg a bit longer than the other or an arm a bit longer than the other, the tailor would make it perfectly to fit him. And this is how it feels when we clothe ourselves in Christ. It feels completely natural, completely natural. It's a perfect fit for us. We can move freely and it's just super comfortable, never too hot, never too cold, because that's what we were created for. These three steps might sound to you like a bit of an oversimplification. Some of you have been following Jesus for a long time and you're sitting there thinking, Mark, I've heard this all before. This is, this is too simple. Now, I'm not suggesting that if you do these three magic things, that you will be instantly transformed into the likeness of Christ. Life is far more complex than that. But I think it's actually a really, really good place for us to start. It's a good place for us to, good place for us to start and it gives us something that we can actually be intentional about and something that we can focus on and something that we can lean into just a little bit. The process of putting off the old, renewing our minds and putting on the new. Something that we can each engage in daily. Something we can do over and over again. And it's something that we do need to do over and over again. I was thinking about this and I was thinking about maybe you've got a couch like this at home and you, you sit down at home and, and, and you, you're kind of sitting there having your devotions in the morning and you can see out into your garden and it's a beautiful spring morning and you're sitting there having your cup of coffee, reading your Bible and you're just praying, God, I just thank you that I can put on my new self today. That's pretty easy to do it in that kind of context. It's pretty easy to put off the old self when you're sitting on your comfy couch at home. But then you start kind of running around getting ready for work because you've been sitting on the couch praying for too long and you start running around getting ready for work And you spend an hour in peak hour traffic and there's a whole bunch of idiots on the road and you just start to get really frustrated and and the old self that you thought you left on the couch at home starts to kind of raise its ugly head a little bit and you're walking from the car park into work and 
You get a phone call from your neighbour to say your, your alarm on your house is going off. But you're running late for work, so you rush in. You think, I'll deal with it when I get into work. Only to get through the front doors at work and your colleague comes up to you and says, hey, you know that appointment that you had this afternoon? The client couldn't make it, so I've, I've made that appointment. I've switched your, your calendar around. Didn't think it would be a problem. But they didn't realise you hadn't prepared for the meeting that you were about to walk into. And this colleague's done this to you before. So you go into this meeting and, and, and you're totally unprepared. And it doesn't take long doesn't take long for everybody in the room to work out that you've got no idea what you're talking about because you haven't had the time that you needed to prepare and you're sitting there feeling like an absolute goose and the old self starts to bubble up and rise up and you're frustrated at this colleague who's done this to you before and they this person man they're not a team player at all and so the old self's bubbling up and you're feeling a bit frustrated a little bit angry and a few interactions like that go on and on and on during the course of the day And before long, the old self is back in all of its glory. You're wearing your cheap suit and you're just struggling. You think, man, how do I do this stuff? As we go through our day, we've spoken about a number of times as a church about practicing the presence of God. And, and, And each of us, during the course of our day, we have opportunities, moments, moments where we can intentionally, when we're driving in the car to work, instead of, saying profane things to the bad driver in front. God, help me to think differently about this. Help me to think differently. Let this colleague at work that I'm really struggling to get on with, can you help me to love that person a little bit better? Can you change the way I think? Holy Spirit, just come and I'm really needing some renewal in this area of my life. I find I'm constantly struggling with frustration or worry or anger. Can you start to renew my thinking? Jesus, can you just help me to be like you in this situation? Can you help me to show compassion instead of getting angry and frustrated? Can you help me to show your love and your grace in in those interactions? And in each of those moments, just, just start to ask God to help you to think a little bit differently, to process life a little bit differently. This is a much, much better way to live. It's a much, much better way to live. When we live like this, we can start to live lives that are worthy of this incredible calling that we've each received. And God invites each one of us into that today. So let me just pray. Father, we thank you for the work of your Spirit in our lives. We thank you that you never created us to carry the effects of sin. We thank you that we get an opportunity because of what Jesus has done for us to put off that old self. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you would help us to engage deeply in the process of transformation, in the renewal of our minds, in the renewing of the way we think, in the way we do life. Help us to open our front doors and to engage in the work that you're wanting to do in us. We pray that we might each be deeply transformed. And as we transform, we become more and more Christ-like so that when we have interactions with people in our contexts, they would be interactions which make a statement about your love and your grace and your kindness for others. So Lord, we just pray that you'd come and that you'd help us to be men and women who are transformed into the likeness of Jesus. Help us to put off the old self. Help us to engage in a process of renewing our minds and help us to put on Jesus so we can reflect 
the image of God to others. Amen.